Well, there is a new unstoppable movement that's fixing almost everything wrong with America's health care. It's called direct care, and by sidestepping entrenched extractive middles, employers and consumers alike can eliminate all the built-in confusion, gaming, all the tyranny. Because direct care pays for itself, so the members and white coats are doubling every three years. Welcome to the new healthcare economy, where everyone wins. I'm excited to announce that we have now Redirect Health as our sponsor of the show. And I'm really careful who I invite as a sponsor because I want to be a satisfied client, and I have been for five years. They have over 3,000 Google five-star ratings and counting with an average rating of 4.6 stars. And I can vouch for the integrity of this company because I've been using it for five years, and they are amazing. At the end of the show, you can listen to how to get your free report on how to cut your costs and turn your expensive healthcare into savings. And now to the show. Well, the Sigmana, or you might want to call it Huminga merger, never happened. Sigma has other plans right now, but if they did a merger, it would approximate the total members that are in 31 firms that are now serving employers in direct primary care. You might want to call it advanced primary care, which serves over 35 million Americans, except the NPS score for Sigma, negative three, and Humana, 32, versus the world-class numbers, NPS, universally and DPC are staggering. These guys are also hemorrhaging as employers, whereas DPC seems to be doubling every three years, the large to small in the 31 panoply of folks that have been on this show. A federal bailout called Medicare Advantage props up the core units of these big insurance companies. DPC has none of that. And they're hemorrhaging white coats. DPC has a waiting list. Members renew through employers in the high 95th percentile. Sigmana unknown. I think they're probably losing employers, rightly to say. And I think physicians and nurses no longer have to code in this other world of direct, except in hybrids like One Medical, which is Amazon. About a third or 10 million members get care at work for free premiums, free deductibles, free copays. That doesn't happen with Sigma, United, or Humana. And the local trickle-down multiplier effect on a community, I've estimated is probably close to $200 billion. We can make that case another day and have. And it's evergreen. It continues. The local spend is basically premiums go away. Payroll deductions go away. That all funnels into the local economy and has a multiplier effect. Direct care also has no care denials. That's important. No delays in care. That's important. No pre-authorization gains because there's no coding. There's no CPT Bible. It's thrown under the bus. And monthly subscription fees in DPC only have risen to accommodate behavioral health and MSK health and other things, but not always. The sigmatic cost spirals upward are reliably endless, 100%, and are infinite. And the high deductibles have now 105 million Americans in collections, according to Kaiser. Well, predatory building and medical bankruptcy simply do not exist in the direct universe. RCM is not a moniker in the direct universe. We don't even know what re revenue cycle management is because the fees are collected on a monthly basis. There is no shortage of white coats in direct care. In fact, there are waiting lists versus, let's talk about waits. There are hours long waits 
in the other world, you might have to wait an hour in virtual care, but you're not going to wait a day. You may get to see a doctor the next day, but you're not going to have to wait three days, 30 days. And often if it's on site, you're going to get to see them right away, even if it's urgent. 100% are going to get their virtual care free because that's part of the bundle of direct. Sigmana has virtual. They just launched them both last year, but they bill for it. They bill for the visit. It's not free. It's not bundled in. Labor unions love direct primary care. I wouldn't say they love the big insurance companies. And Rosencare has eliminated crime in two Orlando school districts via the direct care savings of over $540 million by funding college and vocational school for 100% of the grads. Can we say that about any of the bucas? So there's no press, there's no academics, there's no social media talking about this or touting this miracle. So here's a taste of reality. Here's a taste of reality. Premise Health, our guest today, has 11 million members and an NPS score of 94. Marathon Health has a little over a million, NPS 90. Everside Health, 2 million, NPS 85. Recuro Health, a little different model, but 1.2 million, 90. In fact, all of these have over a million. Stereos Health, 97. Crossover Health, 92. One Medical, 90. Eden Health, a little different model, 60. Quad Health, a little different model, 77. These are companies that all have world-class NPS scores because when Bain Capital set this up, anything over 80 is world-class. United Health, by the way, the 800-pound grill in the room has a zero. We featured on the podcast seven employers using the direct contracts, and we hope to feature more because those are our best episodes. People get excited about case studies. And cash pay to eliminate friction in time and money for employees is a big winner. There's no pre-authorizations, as I said, no denials of care, no waiting to see doctors, no waiting and waiting, stinky waiting rooms. All members have digital first care. That's all built into this bundled model. So we talked about Rosen Hotels, Spirit Aerosystems, New York Stock Exchange listed company. Cole Johnson cut his premiums in half with workers' comp and used that to give free care. Ben Clinton was the first school district in Texas. There's now 150 following their lead of a tiny little poor school district called Raymondville. A local cable firm in Tyler was our first employer, changed the whole culture. Urban ISD was facing basically junk cutting the bone until they put in a direct plan and saved the day, millions of dollars. And rural hospital in the second course county in Florida survived lockdowns and hurricanes thanks to having a direct plan. All right, well, I'm excited to introduce you to literally the leader of the leader. Stu Clark is the CEO of Previs Health. He's been CEO since its inception in 2014 when Walgreens spinoff merged with CHS Health Services. So this is a new industry, folks. This is a 10-year-old, 12-year-old industry, really, in terms of its massive growth. He's held executive roles for more than 20 years, and his team helped the evolution of the direct healthcare industry, also might known as employer-sponsored healthcare, on-site healthcare, from the very early days when it was Auk Health. And we're talking about actually going back to Random House, 1964, was the earliest days. And they still have them as a client. They operate more than 800 wellness centers across 45 states in Guam. They serve high-quality primary care pharmacy, behavioral health, care navigation, care management services, along with many other types of care. It's a giant cafeteria you can choose from for what you want when you bring them onto your team. With a billion in annual revenue, they're the seventh largest private company in Nashville, which is extremely 
exciting. And they're consistently recognized as an employer of choice in Nashville and in the communities where they operate. They currently have 6,000 team members. Stu, welcome to the show. Well, Ron, thank you. I'm super excited to talk with you today. Well, listen, I, I can't be more excited to talk to the leaders. Stu, do you have any comments before we get going? Well, I, I think you outlined a lot of the challenges we have in this country with primary care and especially with Health Plan and, and PBM Inc., as we refer to them around here. So we have some pretty strong positions on the misalignment in the system and look forward to talking about them today. So my first question is, I cannot figure out why the national press has not caught on to this story of at least, again, this is just people on my show, 30 to 35 million Americans that now get their health care on site, near site through their employer and what that does to their financial, personal financial straits and what it does for the employer in terms of outcomes. Nobody is picking up on this story. What is going on with the press ignoring this industry? Uh, inertia and misalignment. And let me be specific. You know, healthcare is 20% of the GDP. So, you know, specifically $4 trillion annually spent in this country every year, right? Half of it is by the government uh, and half of it is by employers about. The problem is, is that health plans and PBMs and many point solutions um, have no incentive to control costs or to improve quality. Um, and, and let me explain why. If you're a self-insured employer, the health plans and PBMs make more money the more money you spend. It's an ASO, you know, fee-based model. If you're a smaller employer and you're fully insured and that health plan um, does not accurately predict what your spend will be and the health plan quote unquote loses, then they simply come back the next year and increase premiums so that they can get whole. So the employer is simply not at the table, Ron. I mean, the employer is the payer for $2 trillion worth of this spend. And they are simply told what to do by the consultants. And they are given a very restrictive misaligned set of products to choose from, from Buca. It's that simple. You know, I, I can figure out why local is not interested in the story because when you open up a, a Duke Energy Clinic or expand one in Carolina, the Carolina three big hospital systems could care less about getting any attention on a competitor like this that's ultimately maybe going to hurt them or replace them or certainly take business away from them because your hospital visits drop, your ER visits drop when you hire a premise. The outcomes are astounding, but it's a national story. And I'm, I'm amazed that national press is not telling the story as this as an industry because I don't think they get it. I think they still think of direct primary cares for rich people like concierge care, but when that's only 250,000 people, and it's growing by maybe 10% a year. DPC, this direct movement is growing by 31% a year. Are y'all understanding why the national press is ignoring this big story? I, I, I don't understand it, no. Uh, but what I do understand is that the American population is getting uh, less healthy by the day, maybe at the fastest rate, literally, in human history when you look at diabetes, obesity, hypertension, increasing musculoskeletal problems due to weight, the system is not accountable for quality. If you go in and have, you know, a knee procedure done and you leave that hospital or ambulatory surgery center with a bad infection, that doctor still gets paid. 
that hospital still gets paid, but you get to go home with a pick line for the next two weeks and hope it doesn't spread to the rest of your body. This is insane, this lack of accountability in our healthcare system. I think people have gotten used to it. And yes, the press, you know, is, is not focused on it. I know Premise is super proud of their screenings. Your screenings are for cancer. You have smoke cessation. Pro In fact, you have a cessation program for anything, whether it's diabetes, maintenance, a remission, hypertension, obesity. Yeah, so Ron, one thing I'd say about that is we, we do have, you know, uh, 32 products, if you will, but that almost sounds more complicated than it is. The bottom line is we are in the primary care business and one fundamental pillar in our opinion, in our model of delivering primary care is that it must be inclusive of behavioral health. So how do you separate family medicine or primary care from behavioral health? You don't. And so we saw probably three or four years ago, the importance of incorporating uh, psychologists, clinical psychologists and, and licensed clinical social workers into our primary care teams. As you know, for, for decades, we have been incorporating the combination of pharmacy or prescription fulfillment on site or through mail with the primary care provider. Well, it makes sense for your primary care doc to understand your full regimen uh, of, of pharmaceuticals because we often find that there are several doctors prescribing uh, in a vacuum. They're not aware of what the other physicians are prescribing for that particular member. And so a lot of times we've got issues with, with the prescribing regimen where we can, we can help solve. Um, so we take a whole patient approach. We wanna understand family history. We wanna understand lifestyle. We want you coming through on a regular basis for your exams, for your checkups. When we have a new member come in with, with an acute situation, say an earache uh, or an eye infection, we're certainly going to treat that, but we are going to take that opportunity to begin a broader discussion around health. And it's that simple. And so we expect our primary care teams to help that member navigate to the highest quality access points in the community when they need care that goes beyond our scope. So specialist uh, referral, hospital referral. We know, we're not guessing, it's not word of mouth. We know through a data-driven process where the highest performing orthopedist is uh, who, who specializes in knees, who's not the same physician you want doing a shoulder. We send OB referrals to a particular hospital because of the outcomes they get. We might send hearts to another hospital because they have better outcomes. So, you know, in today's world, Ron, the, the member is just basically handed you know, a good luck card saying, you know, you need a referral. Maybe you go here, maybe you don't, but good luck. Well, that's no way to run a railroad. So when you are an attributed member of our health center, we own your entire health and we are an advocate and a navigator for you to get to the highest quality access in that community when it exceeds our uh, ability to deliver that care. Have you integrated into your software the cash pay rates of that orthopedist to make sure that not only is he or she the best surgeon for that shoulder, but he also, his cash rate is X versus the hospital and facility fee rates that are sometimes two and five X? Oh, sure. We we use partners like Healthcare Blue Book and Cedargate 
this is all data driven. We have cost and quality on almost every provider and facility in the country. It's loaded into our EMR so that our care navigator knows precisely where to refer that member uh, for that particular zip code. No guesswork. It's empirical, it's data-driven, and it works. Speaking of empirical data-driven, you have so many exciting case studies. You also have some overall data that's come out that talks about your outcomes. Can we discuss that? So, you know, sure. you're sitting next to a CEO on an airplane that is a great prospect. What are you going to tell them your outcomes straight out of the well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by telling them that more primary care means better health and less costs. I'm going to start there. Uh, and then I would talk about the fact that we know, you know, that across 19 different self-insured clients representing nine different industries, so 31 sites I'm talking about here, across 16 states. Okay, so think about this, this study that I'm referring to, 148,000 lives. We used a methodology to determine what was the cost difference and the quality difference in our attributed cohort versus a population at that same employer, that same set of employers that was not attributed to our primary care teams. And what we found was that members are $2,000 less expensive annually when they are attributed to our providers. And that's a cross section of the American population that, you know, if that's not representative, I don't know what is. And of course, as you know, Ron, all of this was validated by melanin. So this is not carnival barking. This is not pie in the sky. This is real data derived longitudinally, verified by the country's uh, most reputable actuary. And so more primary care means healthier people and less cost. So can you say with that 2000, that there's an ROI on investing in an on-site clinic with premise? Yes, and, and let me be clear, it's not just on-site. You know, I think the industry certainly found its genesis on-site, but whether it's premise or it's competitors, the some of the fastest growing um, elements of our business are near-site because we have to be able, uh, we have to be accessible by the families. And it's super hard to get a family member into you know, a Department of Defense contractor location, for example. So uh, we're increasingly seeing these sites being built on the fence line, as we say, or in the communities close to where the families are. But the ROI is irrefutable. But that doesn't mean that everybody in the direct primary care business can make that claim. It depends on how you're constructing and designing your delivery model. And it depends on how well you are engaging that population that member population, so the employees and their families, to come through the center. Because if there's no volume, there's no savings. And not all of us do things the same way in this industry. You know, There's a lot of work to be done uh, on the engagement front. And quite frankly, there's a lot of work to be done around verifiable ROI. You brought up my biggest question about this industry that I don't have the answer to. So when I get quoted, 11 million premise, a million and a half here, a million two there. I'm not asking the engagement percentage. I'm just getting the numbers you're getting. You guys are getting paid on 11 million members, but not all of them are engaging because some of those members want to keep their kids pediatrician or their OB-GYN or they want to keep their family doctors. So they're willing to pay a ridiculous deductible right. to stay in an expensive BUCA plan as yep. opposed to going with the premise logical plan because they want to give up their doctor or they're afraid to yep. meet your great doctors, right? They're a little nervous about the new doctor. So- what percentage of the 11 million are actually engaged in a, at least one touch a year? 
Yeah, I, well, one touch I don't think would count, quite frankly. We're pretty conservative, meaning, you know, we set a high standard for how to identify a member as attributed. So a flu shot does not make you attributed in the premise model. I think we have lots of folks in this industry that would say if you came in for an earache or a flu shot, all of a sudden you're an attributed member. And, and that's just disingenuous. So according to our high standards of attribution, we live in that 35 to 45% range. But Ron, I mean, when we're with employers that have incorporated our health centers into their benefit design, when we're with employers that promote and allow us to promote, those percentages double. So I gave you a book of business average, but I will tell you it's variable. It depends on completely on the commitment of the HR team. That's right. Okay. And when you are an HR leader and you can meet with a premise leader, should they get the whole cafeteria plan, you know, kit and caboodle, or should they be very crafty and kind of cut and paste the design of their population? Because, you know, obviously some companies are younger and healthier and some are not. We feel very strongly that even the same employer that has multiple sites across the country is going to need different programs. Let me be specific. So let's say you're an auto manufacturer and you have an operation in Palo Alto or Fremont, California. That population needs a different program than the employer's population in Southern Mississippi. Okay, the demographics are different. The after hours activity are different. The age is different oftentimes. And so um, we will take claims data and we will take other demographic data that we have access to, and we will design a program specific to that location. Okay, perfect. And it might be different at this Duke location versus that Duke location. Highly likely it will be, yes. Okay, perfect. Let's talk a little bit about the doctor pitch. You're now sitting next to a physician and she is very unhappy, very common. She's burned out and she's a family doctor. What do you say to them and what does your waiting list look like to get in on board with uh, a premise location? Yeah, you know, the, these primary care and, and family physicians, and all physicians for that matter, went to school to help people get better and to improve lives. And they get thrown into a system that is all fee for service. It's all about production. It's what we call doorknob medicine. You know, you come in for your earache and the doctor you know, looks in your ear and then hangs onto the doorknob because she's got to get out of that room with you and get to the other 35 people in her waiting room because her employer is not going to be happy if she doesn't see 40 people that day. They didn't want to come into that environment. That's not what they signed up for. And so our value proposition to physicians is uh, we're going to measure you on the quality of care that you're providing by comparing your practice to evidence-based guidelines and by comparing your practice to your peers in this company, uh, and we're also going to measure you on net promoter score by your by your attributed members. And they love it. So look, they don't have to worry about medical malpractice. They don't have to worry about ED or hospital rounds. Their charge is deliver high quality white glove care to these people and get into conversations beyond their acute need for a visit and start talking about the important things. What's going on at home? You know, what is the family history that could be driving some of your behavior that is hurting your health? And they like that model. They, they, they migrate toward us for that reason. And, you know, we're, 
we have a very low physician turnover rate. I had the teams press on that number because I didn't believe it. I thought it was too high and I wasn't about to show up for this interview with a number I couldn't verify. But we, we have an 89% retention rate for our doctors in this company, which I find astonishing. But, you know, when I'm on the road and I talk to our teams, they love the mission that they have and the resources that they have uh, to pursue that mission. You know, if it weren't for non-competes, hospitals would probably be delighted. And when, it looks like they might be going away. FTC is taking a hard look at healthcare non-competes as archaic antiques, which is what they are. And if those go away, I think an 89% retention level of the hospital is going to be unachievable, unattainable. Where are you in terms of the number of physicians you have and nurses you have as caregivers? Now, I'm going to need to verify that with you, Ron, to make sure we have the right number. We're, we're at least 400 physicians, probably double or triple that nurse practitioner and physician's assistants. And then, of course, many, many more nurses and, and other types of clinical team members. The reason I hesitate, we are coming off our largest growth year in the history of the industry, and we are launching over 50 sites this year. And I just want to make sure I give you an updated number that's accurate. So we'll follow. Well, yeah, the reason that's important is it's going to help me determine your panel size, because if you've got, let's call it 45% or 35% of 11 million, mm -hmm. so three and a half to four and a half million, we'll call it you know, rough math. Then your panel size would be, if you had 4,500 physicians, a thousand panel size. Your panel sizes are much, much larger than that. If you have maybe 1,200 or 1,500. Yeah. No, I, I understand where you're headed with that. We watch panel size very, very closely. Again, you know, we're not paid fee for service. So if we don't show health improvement and cost savings, we get fired. And so we care a lot about the capacity of our clinical teams. So it's it's something we watch very carefully to make sure. Again, it's it's tell us where the incentives are, and I'll tell you what the outcome is. If the incentives yeah, yeah. rack up fee for service, then you'll have huge panel sizes. Okay, so we talked about the ROI financial. Let's talk about health outcomes. What are you looking at in terms of reduced hospital stays, ER visits, improved health outcomes? What are your specific programs for obesity looking like in terms of outcomes? How can we brag about that? Yeah, you know, there's an inverse relationship between the amount of primary care spend and utilization and the amount of downstream, so a specialist and tertiary spend. And so specifically, you typically see about a 40% increase in primary care visits in our model, but you'll see a 27% reduction in emergency room visits. You'll see a 36% reduction in inpatient hospitalization. So those numbers are right out of right out of the EMR, right out of the claims data. This is all part of the Milliman study that you're aware of. So it's it's significant. That's where our frustration is. It is clear beyond any doubt that the more emphasis you have on primary care, the less you're going to spend overall. And it's just mind boggling to me that such a simple concept is something that continues to be elusive to the Fortune 1000 or large employer uh, executive teams. We're going to wind down with just a couple more questions here. I founded my own small company that my retention numbers were ridiculous. Nobody left unless they're, I have mostly female medical assistants in my allergy company. 
And they didn't leave the company with free healthcare unless their husband got transferred. So retention, do any of your employers track retention and what premise does for that? And do any of them attract better people now because they're offering free healthcare? Yeah, I, you know, a big driver in the growth of this industry going back 15 years was this was a benefit of employment, exactly to your point, that it was, um, you know, like on-site childcare. It was a matter of convenience. It was a retention tool. If you look, you know, let's take an easy example of, of New York City. There's not a big bank up and down Manhattan that doesn't have an on-site and near-site set of access points because they needed it to be and you know, a competitive employer in the labor markets, but it has evolved into a total cost of care strategy. And so I had the CFO of one of the largest manufacturers in the country tell me 18 months ago that the most expensive component in her product coming off that line was healthcare. Mm. It wasn't steel, it wasn't technology, it was healthcare. And so this is now a CFO issue. This is an earnings per share issue for American employers. It's no longer a nice to have, feel good employee retention. This is, look, a direct primary care model properly managed with proper engagement is going to reduce my total cost of care, which has a couple cents, five cents, pick your number, earnings per share implication. And so it's a big deal. And Ron, I, let me mention one other thing that's going on in, the, in this country with healthcare. It's unaffordable for the low income uh, wage earner, for the single parent. You know, they're looking, they're staring down the barrel of, you know, several hundred dollars per pay period in contribution to get a high deductible plan where they then have to spend $5,000 if they don't have out of pocket. It's immoral. It's not right. And we believe that the day is coming when there will be a form of health plan offered with a heavy front end primary care emphasis and the ability for that primary care team to navigate that member to the right place downstream, as we discussed a moment ago. The trade-off is that it's much less expensive to that employee. So a substantially reduced health plan offering, but it's well, I don't like the restrictive word because, by the way, when they don't have any restrictions and it's an open PPO or high deductible health plan, they're going to crappy doctors and they're getting bad outcomes. So this whole thing, don't restrict my choice, is a misnomer because what we're actually doing is getting them to higher quality care faster. Well, you're talking about functionally uninsured. 105 million are functionally uninsured. If that's not a telling number, I mean... What is? And so a crappy doctor is at least better than no doctor because you're afraid to use your insurance because you're going to get into collections. Well, a crappy doctor could hurt you. Well, that's true. Yeah. Let's talk about what is any reason that somebody would tell premise no. And I'm sure you get a lot of no's, but I can't understand why anybody would put you guys off one more year. Penny wise and pound foolish. Okay. They, they just don't have, you know, they've been told look, we don't have any money for capital expenditures this year, or it's not in the budget. Well, what happens is they've lost one more year of trying to control a much larger cost, which is our health plan spend that's going up at 10 to 15 to 20% a year. And so, you know, let's save a penny so that we can spend a dollar next year. That's what's good. That's why we get told no. 
do you see the Vertas and Omadas and Vita Health, which are obesity remission companies, as competitors or are they friends? Look, they're friends, but let, let's face it, we're all just exhausted of point solutions. A lot of times they're not integrated. You know, a lot of them sprung up in what I call the go-go era of 2019 through 2021, where all you had to have was an idea and somebody threw a billion dollars at you to start a company. And so yeah. we're going to see a correction over the next couple of years in these point solutions that, you know, are not being fully integrated and are not moving the needle. And I'm not disparaging any of them. I'm simply saying they kind of came out half-baked, uh, but they're not integrated in with the larger delivery model, which means they're not utilized well. I understand. All right. Well, Stu, I, did I miss any big questions I should have covered today? They're very thorough. I mean, this went fast, Ron. I hope I can come back and do it again if I haven't upset any of your listeners. Are you kidding me? The door's always open. You know what would be fun is next time bring an employer who's been with you a long time and they're happy and they can speak to the results because those kind of stories, again, are gigantic audience share. People love those stories. And and we we literally see gigantic spikes when those kind of visits happen. So, yes, anytime you want to do it, you alone, you bet. Anytime you want to bring an employer, count on a big listenership. Well, I appreciate it, Ron. And uh, good luck to you and your podcast. And thanks again for your interest in premise. Okay. One last question we have to ask everybody is, yes, sir. how do people find you guys? And I got one last after that. I'm sorry. Well, we, you can find us certainly on, on social media. Our website, of course, is premisehealth.com. You know, we're a little quieter than most healthcare companies, and that's my fault. But uh, we, we're very proud of our products and, and our client retention. And if you could fly a banner overhead with a single message for Americans to read, what is that simple message? I think I may have mentioned it earlier. More primary care means better health and less cost, period. There you go. 90% of people don't get that right, Stu. Way to go. They do not. Okay, we'll talk again very soon. Ron, thanks again. Here's why I chose Redirect Health as our sponsor. I've, number one, been a satisfied client for five years now. Number two, our most popular shows are all about Redirect Health. There's that. When it comes to health plans for small employers focused on reducing health care costs, nobody does it better, in my opinion, than Redirect Health. They have an impressive 3,000 plus Google five-star ratings and growing with an average rating of 4.6 stars. Can't beat that. I can vouch for the integrity and unwavering commitment of its founders, Dave Berg and Dr. Janice Johnson, to us as members. They are the real deal. Now, how does Redirect Health work for me and for you? Well, I have anywhere, anytime access to my healthcare team for any reason. They always have my medical records ready, whether I need a prescription refill, have a rash, back pain, or need my annual physical, Redirect Health has got me. They got me covered. They have zero co-pays for virtual and primary care visits, and you can access their urgent care services too. Plus, I get chiropractic care bundled in, labs and x-rays bundled in, and they quarterback the patient assistance for free medications for many frontline employees, which means they can get their medications free or near free, and other services too. They run that gamut for you. Hospitalization coverage, has just a $2,000 deductible and zero co-pays or care delays, which makes it different from everything else maybe you've seen before. And all of this comes at about half the cost of a traditional high deductible plan. And the best part is important, so I'm gonna repeat it, is zero co-pays. Whether I see my doctor or they help me find one, 
I paid literally nothing at the clinic or afterwards. It's crystal clear this is what hassle-free healthcare and health plans should look like. With Redirect Health, there's much less chance of a surprise bill and they handle all the headaches if my doctor's billing department or the hospital messes up. They treat me like a person, not a number, and I have a healthcare plan that's not only affordable, but it's easy and accessible, friction-free. So right at my fingertips is the Redirect Health app right on my front page with live care teams available 24-7, 365. Try calling them on Christmas Day. I promise you they'll answer. <laughs> and they'll answer any questions and connect you with a healthcare provider whenever you need it. They've done it for me for five years. Redirect Health, where your health is a priority. Go to redirecthealth.com backslash Ron for your free ebook, A Business Owner's Guide to Healthcare from Expense to Asset. That's redirecthealth.com backslash Ron for your free ebook. Thanks for listening. You can advance our movement by subscribing and kindly take a minute and leave a review. Each is a win for this show. Until next episode.